welcome back to the Full Contact Cannabis Podcast. I'm Billy Hell, and I am in Hell Studios, and we have a special guest, Lee Crabtree. What's happening, Lee? What's up, Billy? So I first want to do something, something new, exciting. I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Tennessee Homegrown, which we will talk about in this podcast. And I also want to talk and acknowledge to the old hemp farmer what's happening. Hey, Billy Hell, what's going on? So I took a meeting last week with uh, one of our fine hemp companies, and I was out cruising the internet looking at pricing on what hemp companies sell in in this area of Tennessee and the pricing. And so I would see pricing pricing from $25 all the way up to $100 for what appeared to be the same product, even though I knew that MG really was determining the price. But I called up the old hemp farmer. And I said, I don't understand uh, what average guy is going to buy a hundred dollars worth of anything if they don't know what's in it or what it does. So I'm here to find out the answers. Well, uh, right now people, are, you know, there's this sort of weird world where there's a lot of material, a lot of starting points for, for products. But part of the problem is, is when people see a product, they don't realize all the things that go into it after you grow it. I mean, there's the processing, bottling, labeling, marketing, and these always contribute. But one of the big things that people don't realize about processing is that it's not for anybody who doesn't have deep pockets. So like owning an old house, there's always something to spend money on. And um, we're lucky in the fact that Lee, my partner here, is working with a company who we supply them technology and research and they basically give us access to equipment and i don't even know what's over there but like um how many different pieces of equipment do you have to have basically to get from 100 pounds of biomass to something they're putting into a cup what do you have to have is not always what everybody has uh you know you could get Four or five pieces of equipment. It depends on how fast you want to go. So, all right. Well, the thing about it is, anybody can take a crock pot, throw a bunch of, of flour or biomass in there, a couple quarts of Everclear, and they're going to get a product. The thing about it is, why to have a really good finished product? Do you have to have all these pieces of equipment? Uh, one thing, which you, you know, what you could do. All right, you're at Benmar. Somebody just brought in 500 pounds. What What do you do? Well, first we have to extract that into the crude form, which is we're using an, a cryoethanol extractor uh, and a centrifuge. So we're trying to extract the oils, uh, avoiding winterization by using a cryo temperature. Uh, then we're spinning that off in the centrifuge to try to recover the maximum amount of ethanol out of that. From that point, you're going to have to go into a, a rotavap or a a, a white, uh, not a white film, but a falling film evaporator. That'll remove the ethanol from the crude, and then that that is crude there you you you're not fully decarved you're gonna have to go to a, another process you're gonna have to go to a reactor or a really hot uh, rotovap and try to uh, 
decarb and remove the rest of the uh, solvent that's in there. After that point, then you know, some people call that a product. I, I feel like it should be cleaner than that, and you're you're going to go to a, a short path or a white film distillation from that, uh, depending on how much you got to do would be and how much time you want to spend on that would be uh, the type of equipment that you'd want to purchase to do those things. At that end, you have a full spectrum product, which can be further processed into a THC free or broad spectrum product. Uh, you can also isolate your CBD. Uh, there's lots of different things you can do. There are lots of cool things and, and, and people are, uh, you know, looking at getting really quality stuff. You can really refine it down to the isolate point uh, where you just got mainly just CBD. There is some CBDV in there, but it's mostly CBD. How long have you been doing this, Lee? Uh, I don't know exactly. About but a few years, all right? <laughs> yeah, the reason why time. The reason I mention that is because you just jumped through right that first process, which is that process like, okay, your machine that goes cryogenic ethanol. What exactly is happening when you go in there and process? You're taking ethanol or can you do CO2? What, what exactly are you doing with this solvent? Well, those are just two different types of uh, creating a crude. We, we use cryogenic ethanol because it's, the polarity has been lowered in that uh, temperature of a, a solvent and it doesn't get as much of the undesirables out as as you uh, would get in a warmer uh, solvent. And therefore you, you don't technically have to winterize that. You could, if you had the proper filtration, you could get it even finer. You know, at that point, you're probably at a 60, 65% crude. With the proper filtration, you could uh, increase that to up to an 80% crude, which is a very, very good uh, crude. But the further refining, you know, beyond that, it gets better as, as your percentages go up. So, you know, that's ideal to get that, that high of a percentage in your crude. Uh, the market, though, is just not really as accepting of that. It almost doesn't pay to have it that quality right now. The prices are so low. Uh, we don't go that far. We're we're just trying not to winterize, getting our 65, maybe it's 70% crude, and then we're going to distill it from there. So basically what you've done is you've taken a solvent, right, and gone in and dissolved these trichromes off yeah. the surface of the plant, right? Surface of the, the flowers mainly, the, the, the sugar trim. Uh, there are trace amounts in the plant itself and in the leaves, but to, to mine those out, you're – you got to to battle through some undesirable compounds that you're not really wanting to to get out. So here you got this stuff. You went in there and you dissolved it, right? You basically what you've done is dissolve trichomes. Now you were throwing around a term called winterization. Now is that because the trichomes are about like half paraffins and fats? Uh, the Yes, the trichomes, but also there's some leaf and, and the bud material itself. There, it's just plant material has uh, has sugars, it has waxes and, and lipids in there that uh, get pulled off with that solvent. 
uh, winterization is not just uh, it sounds like you're just trying to get it really cold. You're trying to get it really cold, but winterization is actually a, a filtration method. You're, you're chilling it to where those fats and lipids start to coagulate. They aggregate, they fall to the bottom of your container. Uh, then you're trying to use a lowest micron you can get filtration to try to get those out. Uh, by removing those, that'll uh, increase the, the cannabinoid percentage of your crude that you have. So now you have all these bits of equipment and we're now to the point to where if we want to be able to sell this, we have to make it a better product. You mentioned like that cryogenic machine, because part of the question Jim T you had was, where's the cost? Like, okay, that crowd, the machine that does the cryogenic ethanol, how much does that machine cost? Uh, they're probably about 90000 for the whole setup. It's basically a, 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 a cryogenic freezer plumbed with a, a vacuum pump that controls the, the movement of your solution inside and solvent. So how much is something like a centrifuge that spins all the ethanol out? Uh, there are lots of centrifuges out there that I've seen. I don't know what they all cost. I think the one that we purchased was probably around fifty thousand. So now I'm already running one hundred fifty thousand. Yep. So now I got my ethanol, right? Right. And so now I got I me mean, my ethanol, and I got to drive it off. So now I'm putting it in a rotavap. You can go rotavap or fallen film evaporator. The fallen films are a larger. Uh, you get more throughput through there. Uh, I prefer a, just a rotovap because I'm not really in a big hurry. Uh, but that's those are your, your two basic recovery. So systems. how's a nice little rotovap? A roto, you're going to want a, at least a 50 liter, and that's you know 30 grand plus could be 50. It depends on what type you buy and uh, the the label on it. If you get a good one, it's going to be more. So Walter White, you like to clean the stuff up to a distillate. So now I'm doing a, a short path distillation unit. Correct. And then how how much are those sweet pieces of equipment? Well, the slow ones are thirty grand, or you could probably get a pretty cheap one, but you you don't want to get the cheapest one out there. So you know you're at thirty, or you can go with the the white film. You know the the big popes and other brands there, uh, they're faster, uh, but they are more expensive, so that's probably another 80, 90 grand right there to, to get that going. So let me see if I want to have anything like throughput, which is your term, being able to process a bunch. I'm looking at three quarters worth of equipment by the time I get it wired, air conditioning, ventilation, all that. And that's not even counting labor. Yeah, there's, there's other setups you could probably get that might be a little cheaper in your you're probably going to spend about four hundred to five hundred thousand dollars just on your equipment. But if you want to like chunk through hundreds of pounds a day, like everybody's the holy grail here is to be able to do a couple thousand pounds a day. Yeah, you're going to want to go with the. There's some other units now that are actually built into the centrifuge, so you'll avoid having to go from your extractor to the centrifuge. Uh, saving you time, but it also save you money because those are a little bit cheaper, and your your throughput's gonna gonna increase uh, with those units. 
but what kind of throughput does anybody really even need? I mean, well, but what I'm saying is the holy grail now and what everybody's going about is, is this ability to do a lot of material real quick. And so right now, and because everybody's, the whole thing was about doing this big box, getting these big orders. And mm -hmm. so you still have people out there wanting to do a couple thousand pounds, even though they can't sell it. And so part of the reason why this stuff is so damn expensive is because processing it's so damn expensive. You're right. The, you know, you got rent on top of that. You got electricity. All of these pieces of equipment uh, require electricity. If you don't have the right number of amps, you're going to have to call an electrician. You may have to add another transformer. You are, are in for more expenses. Let's say you're a farmer and uh, you can't afford any of this stuff, but you you have the goods uh, in, in Tennessee. Where do you go? Where do you take it? Well, right now, there's probably not too many people able to just jump in and, and process somebody's stuff because there's so much out there and there's there's so much sitting in places waiting to be extracted. Uh, we, I don't know how full our warehouse is now at, at Ben Mar, but it's not empty. Uh, if we had the choice, we could, I wish we could have been a lot more choosy on the material but mm. this is a dirty, dirty process. You're bringing in, you know, super sacks of hemp from other farms. Uh, the ones that I've seen there, it's dirty. Uh, some of them, they grind it up and, you know, grinding up is a, is a good thing to do to it. If you know what you're doing and if you're using the right equipment and you get it to the right uh, particle size. Now, a hammer mill or some of this other equipment I've seen at some of these trade shows, which just beats the hell out of it uh, and just turns it to almost dust, is is not the, the way to uh, treat your material. Now, the movement of all this material is kind of problematic. It takes big, large trucks. Ideally, you know, in my mind, it, it wouldn't work this way, but I really wish that uh, the farmers could make the crude on site and then just have that polished and have it uh, further refined in other facilities. It would avoid a lot of uh, traffic on the road. You're, you're hauling all your hemp here and there. But what it, you know, based on the differences in types of material I'm seeing, all it would really do is, is is there would be a bunch of really crappy crude out there that needs to be cleaned up. I got a real quick question. At the beginning of the year, um, or going that transition from 2000 to 2019, there was going to be so because all these processing. The reason why at Benmar they're so backed up is because we don't have. Uh, the amount of processors and people who bought license, bought equipment. Basically, what happened to all the processors in in Kentucky, Tennessee, and in this area? I mean, all I I don't know any of them personally, but uh, all I can do is is read about them on uh, the internet and and assume, make assumptions. But just based on what I've I've seen, it, it's not easy to do, and the claims of all these. Uh, equipment providers or manufacturers 
they never live up to those claims or that was their perfect day. You know, you can do hundred pounds in an hour. Well, you get to doing it and it turns out you can only do 50 or, you know, your recovery rate is, is so many uh, liters per hour. And, and it turns out that's not always true either. This, the material changes too. So, you know, just straight up from your, your extraction, the beginning, depending on how good that material is, if it's dirty, it, it can, it gets dirty throughout the whole process and that'll slow you down. Things will happen. Things get clogged up. People bring in things that are, are full of seeds, seeds float. And then as you're flooding and, and evacuating your, your extraction chambers, your you've got seeds stuck all in every filter that you have and you you have to stop. You have to clean it out, start over again. And, and I don't know if that's, you know, the reason that people go down, but I feel like it's more like they were just overhyped in their equipment, overhyped in their abilities, uh, and overhyped in how much they can move. Cause it doesn't matter if you can do 2000 pounds in a day, if you can't sell that much oil per day, why do you keep making it? You know, slow it down. You should be a smaller operation and build up from being small, not, not just go in, you know, we had people meeting with us that outlandish amounts were, were spewed. I'll, just tell you, Tyson Group came to us. They were on 200 kilos a month. Well, that number kept floating around from other people too. That I would I would hear it, that same number coming out. Hey, we need to do 2,000, you know, 200 kilos a month, which turned into 2,000. And if you do the math on that, that's uh, you know, you're going to have to do a good 2,000 pounds a day. Therefore, everybody thought, I guess, that they needed to do 2,000 pounds a day. Now, that's great if you're going to do it for one day. But if you start doing that every single day, you have a large inventory built up. It's not moving. The bills are piling up. Contractors need to be paid. Time to have a fire sale. Next thing you know, uh, you're moving product at a price well below what your profit model was based on. And that just doesn't last very long. I have a question. Um, how much you were talking, cause one of the things you brought up was the salesman and I love salesmen. We're all kind of salesmen, but this thing where the turnkey processing facility, so the thing about it, I think, was kind of floated that the person operating, how much does, you know, not to stroke you anything, but I think you're one of the best processing extracting artists around. How much does it have to do with the people running the lab? It's got everything to do with that. You need to find your guy first and then build out your, your equipment from him. But on top of him, you need also to have an electrician. You need to have uh, somebody that that knows or and, and enjoys putting equipment together because this doesn't come assembled. 
you've got to unbox it. You put it together. You hope that you put it together right. Cause sometimes they don't have a, 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 a little schematic on how to do it. So uh, you've got equipment without a schematic or blueprints. Or uh, we have before. Yes. And we were told by the manufacturer that they were going to come out and actually put it together. Well, we didn't wait on them. They never showed up anyway. So, you know, training on equipment is, is essential. And in ideally you would see all this stuff working before you would ever even make a purchase. You would talk to people that have used it, uh, see what numbers they're getting. If they're happy with it, you know, don't listen to that salesman and a sales pitch. And if you go back and talk to them later, you know, they're, they'll still stick with what they were told because they didn't, they not the extractor, they're the salesman. They don't know what this stuff will really do. Usually they'll say, well, I've got to talk to my engineer and we'll get back with you. And you know, that just, you, you never get a, a right answer. So how much does being able to assess the material play into the process? Well, you, you're only going to be as good as your starting material. The better the starting material, the better the end result. Uh, you, you want good crude. You need mostly flour. You don't need a lot of leaves. It's, it's difficult to, to go in there on several acres of, uh, of hemp and remove all the leaves. So you, you know, you, you end up with leaves in there. The, the flower is what you're looking for. So the more buds are in there, the, the more trichomes are there and therefore the more cannabinoids you have available to extract. So does it cost the, about the same amount to process low value material as high value material? Yes, it's exactly the same. So if someone were to bring a bag of leaves with a few buds in it, I'm going to, we're going to lose the same amount of ethanol and we're going to spend the same amount of time on it. The end result is just going to be less. And you get to a point where it's not really worth even doing because you can't get all of that off of there. So if you come, you know, oh, we got our buds tested and they're, they're 12% and I open this bag and it's 50% leaves, uh, you're not 12%. You're maybe eight more than likely six and the the cost on on ethanol itself may exceed the cost of your end product so is that what's going on right now across the industry is it it's basically more expensive to make it than what you can sell it for it could be and that that's probably going to be the case with most of the hemp that i've seen grown out of state, some of it in state as well. Some of these large bales of, of hemp that are rolls that they've tightly wound with, with plastic. I can't imagine that, that that hemp in there is, is much more than 4%. If it's that, it looks like they're grinding up the whole plant. And then if you do that, then you're, you're, pounding sand you're you're trying to mine something you're actually back in 2015 when the only hemp that was really available was very low concentrations of uh, cannabinoids or it was 
pelletized and coming from Europe that they swept off the floor, one, two percent. You got to really work that to get it to get it out of there. You got to you got to do a lot of material to get a little bit of, of extract out of that. All right. So. Just this morning, I got a phone call after knowing all this, that there are processing facilities that are going bankrupt and belly up all over. It's not just Tennessee. It's Kentucky. I've heard up in Philadelphia. I mean, up in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. Yet, I got a call from somebody from Louisiana this morning who decided that there wasn't no money in growing hemp. But there must be money in process. Right. Well, he's wrong. Uh, there could be money in it. There was at one time. And, and now the prices have crashed to the point where I don't know how much they will recover. But as it stands now, if you don't have some high quality uh, hemp to begin with in your process, that you're, you're just you know, spinning your wheels. you got to get the maximum amount out that you can get just to be able to, to, and you're probably just keeping the doors open that way. If you're selling kilos for, you know, $500, that's what I was hoping was the lowest. And recently I'm seeing some at 250, 300, 350. You know, let's just say you had some low quality material, uh, some of the older hemp, it, it might, you know, it might be four or 5% CBD. Uh, you're going to have to process about 50 pounds of that just to get a kilo or almost a kilo of, of crude out of that. And if you got 50 pounds worth of 5% material and you spent $10 a pound on it, you're not, you're just breaking even. And that's not even counting the cost of the ethanol loss in that. Even with a centrifuge, you're still going to lose about a tenth of a gallon. Now, without that centrifuge, you're going to lose about a quart, which gets really expensive if you're not spinning it off of there. And with low quality material, it takes more material and it takes more ethanol and more time. And you get low, low quality stuff. Okay, so the guy from Louisiana wants to talk to me. And let's say that he got three quarters of a million dollars for Christmas. Mm -hmm. What? would you recommend to these people out there that are wanting to break into processing that are basically newbies or new at the business? Uh, first thing you would need to do is buy some hemp and either try it for yourself on a very small scale, or you're going to need, you know, ideally you would find somebody that knows what they're doing and that could lead you towards where you want to go and where you want to go is going to be dictated by how much you can move on the other end. So instead of coming in, wanting to immediately do 2000 pounds a day, do what you can make some crude, make some distillate, get a product out there and try to sell that product. But so should I start small and then add on or, I mean, yeah, you should always and, and, start and, small. Just like and that. how important it, you were talking about getting the, this, well, there's a lot of good, a lot of female uh, extraction artists out there that are extremely good. They have to say, but how important is it getting your person? 
If you don't know, I don't know anything. I just woke up this morning and I decided I'm going to become a hemp cannabis millionaire and I'm going to do an extraction. What would be the first thing you would do? You have to find that person the very first thing. Unless you plan on doing it yourself and taking the long route, by the time you get to being good at it, it's two or three years have gone. So you might as well find you a person first. Find what they can do and what their strengths are. Not just one person. You'll need more than one. Mechanical engineer, electrical engineer. Yes, it's always good to either have a good friend that can do that or <laughs> have somebody on staff because you're going to be calling them a lot. Uh, electricians will be there a lot. But, but the extraction artists themselves, uh, nobody wants to be tied to a machine 24-7. They're not going to be your slave just because they like to do this doesn't mean that you got them now. You're going to have to give them a lot of leeway. You're going to have to allow them to, to do their thing and, and not push and not try to pound out a lot of material. Uh, just do it and see what you get. How many of these people are on the market? I have no idea. How would you find them? Don't know. Everybody would believe that they're that they're an extraction artist, and and everybody thinks that theirs is better than everybody else, and and that's a a problem. You can the same way you get with a bad salesman for equipment, you can get a a person badly selling their self. If you don't know their track record, then uh, you don't know them. So basically what it sounds like you tell me is unless you got really deep pockets and that, you know, a, a person that's really good at this, should probably think once, twice before doing it. And you still need someone to sell it to. Yeah. That's the other thing. That's, that's the most important thing is to, to have this product ready to move, not sitting on the shelf for a month, uh, not just building up an inventory, but actually getting it out the door. Well, if somebody was listening and said, hey, I need the services of Benmark, can you tell us how to find uh, where you're at, all the good stuff in case I want to track you now? Uh, we're in Murfreesboro, uh, I don't have the phone number memorized or anything, so no, just look up Ben Mar, or you can contact me through Facebook or Tennessee Homegrown, and I'll I'll get you connected with them. I'm not sure where we are in the lineup right now, but uh, it's a wait. Now, can you personally be hired as a consultant? I mean, can I rent Lee Crabtree? <laughs> well, anybody could rent me. <laughs> so... Because I could would could have bet there's a bunch of people who love to uh, get your expertise. Right. Well, you know, I'm always down to give people advice and try to see them through something. But you know, I I don't want to see people fail. And I if if that was even an option, once I met somebody, I wouldn't even want to consult them. At least they'd know, right? Right. Well, Billy Hill, damn, did that answer your question about why it's so expensive? You know, it did. And it also brought up some, you know, as a marketing guy, uh, when I go to a website and they have a $86 tincture for my dog, 
and nothing else on the page. I need to know about the processing. Is this good stuff? What's exactly in it? What's it exactly going to do? And there's no way to know that if all you have is a picture of price and a buy now. So I think that there are things that need to be done uh, after you get all the way to the end of the process as well for the buyer to want to hit the button. Sounds like a topic for a podcast. Yes. And speaking of which, I want to thank our podcast sponsor, Tennessee Homegrown. You know, where can they go visit Tennessee Homegrown? TNHomegrown.com. All right. And then uh, I know you might be listening to this in the future, but I want to promote Mr. Jarbo, who is uh, speaking at the National Hemp Expo. Did I get it right? Yeah, National Hemp Expo in Louisville, Kentucky, the Mar- March 31st. I mean, February 29th, no, March 1st. Yeah, tw- 20, February 29th, March 1st in yes. Louisville, Kentucky at the convention center. Paragraph. And you can see him there, meet him there. I'm sure he'll stop, talk. Yes, I'm going to be speaking. And, and not to plug too much, but we'll have some of those wonderful Tennessee homegrown products there as well. Yes, and you can uh, talk to LT. All right, everybody, this has been the Full Contact Cannabis Podcast. I want to thank everybody who came out to the studio today to talk to us about processing, which is crazily intensive, expensive, and uh, something you better know about before you jump into. Any last words, guys? Yep. Uh, Keep one eye on the weather and the other eye on the market. All right. Thank you all.